Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Wagner, and hope you are doing well whenever this finds you. Excited about the episode today. Um, really great conversation. I know that I say that all the time and I mean it because I'm I'm all about these conversations. I'm not going to lie, this is a hard sort of conversation for me to think about in the run up, but I'm so glad that we did it. Uh Greg Deedle, a longtime head basketball coach for much of that time at Jordan High School, he was uh, referred to me by Mike Coddington, a previous guest on this podcast who works in the Jordan School District with Jordan track and field. He said, Greg did uh, a training, a workshop for us on positive culture. And it just made me think of you guys. And, and so I was excited from there. I, I did some digging and found out that what Greg's up to now is coaching, you know, an elite, elite AAU team, North Tartan, um, AAU club, the 17 year olds on the girls side. And that brought up some complicated feelings just because I, I struggle with the youth sports complex that is, uh, American youth sports and, and the pressure that we associate with, with elite performance at that level. And I've done a lot of research into, you know, how other places are doing it. You know, I, I referenced John Peter a lot on the program, um, but he's kind of led me to this long-term athletic development model that the Canadians have used. Um, there's a really great article from, I think it's the San Diego Tribune about how Norway is working on their youth sports model and the success that they're having at the international level. You know, even just this weekend, you see that uh, a Norwegian male made the finals of the U.S. Open in tennis. They've, you know, shattered world records in the 400 meter hurdles and, um, you know, the 1500, I believe, you know, in, in international track and field. And so you just start to question the ways that we do things and especially the conversation about specialization deep into youth sports, like third, fourth, fifth grade. And so that stuff comes up a little bit in the conversation, but the thing I love about it and the thing that challenged me in it is that no matter what the model is broadly, individual people can still have tremendous impact in that space because they do things the right way. And Greg is absolutely one of these individuals. And he mentioned several other individuals in the North Tartan program that have had have a huge impact on how he thinks about coaching also. And, and the thing that you're going to hear today is how often he uses the word intentional about building culture. And if you've listened to this program for any length of time, you know that both those words, intentional and culture have a huge place here. They do awesome things about building positive culture on purpose. And there are great takeaways that we can use and implement tomorrow in whatever we do. Yeah, we're talking about coaching, but listen to the things that he's talking about. Really, it's about connection. It's about relationships. It's about being there for people even when the thing that ties you together 
is not some deep lifelong relationship for us and for many of us that tune in it's sports that has fostered those things that that reason to connect but that's not it that's not the only reason and this stuff works no matter what i'm excited to bring you this conversation as i've already said because i was challenged to think about how do we broadly how do we as a group of people do better at challenging everybody to connect with this sort of positive frame of reference consistently in all that we do. Greg Deedle brings the good juice today. Here we go. Greg Deedle referred to me by a previous guest, uh, Mike Coddington, because you guys work in the same district and you did a training for them. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Excited to have you on. We haven't had many basketball coaches. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have a conversation around it. I, I'm very honored to be uh, to be recommended to come in and I'll have to thank Mike for that. So uh, I appreciate your time for letting me come no, on. Absolutely. My pleasure. The thing that struck me, and, and again, we'll get to this, is he talked about how much creating positive culture and leadership, if if listeners out there, if you've listened to that episode, a big part of Mike's role in the track program in Jordan is to do some leadership training specifically for their for their captains, their senior type leaders. And when he said, because he was doing some really cool stuff, when he said, Greg's doing awesome things, I was like, I got to reach out. We got to have this conversation. So talk to us a little bit. I did some of your background here in the in the opening, but talk to us a little bit about how you ended up in Jordan. You're a head coach for 25 years on the girls and boys side, not all of that in Jordan, but now you're not coaching at the high school level and you still teach. Talk to us about how kind of all that came together. Okay. Um, I grew up in Southeastern Minnesota, uh, went to Luther college down in Decorah, Iowa, which is about an hour from my hometown. And, and I was fortunate enough to get a teaching job. My first teaching job at Mabel Canton High School, right out of yeah. college, and started coaching then, and and uh, we started our my wife and I uh, started our family young, and things got rolling there, and and we always wanted to get up into somewhere near the metro area, and um, I had a connection with a somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and there was a job opening in Jordan, and I just lucked out and and kind of just fell into it. And uh, it was just a, a great situation for myself and for our family. And I came to Jordan back in 2000. So we've yeah. been here ever since. So that's how we, how we got here. I've been coached, uh, teaching third grade. Now this will be my, this is my 23rd year here at Jordan, teaching third grade every year. And I was the boys varsity coach for seven years in basketball. And then I've, one of my daughters uh, graduated from high school in 09 and, um, she uh, played basketball at South Dakota State. And so I resigned from coaching the boys because I didn't want to miss any of it. Yeah. Uh, and my wife and I, we traveled all over to watch those games those first two years. But during those two first two years out of being a head coach, the girls job opened up. I took it. Uh, I, I made a run for it, was fortunate enough to get it. And I knew it would maybe be my last chance to be head coach here at Jordan and uh, had a lot of fun with it. And uh, so then I did that and 
And then eventually I got after done with year 25 and I just thought this is maybe the time just to step away because uh, things were positive. The program was in good shape, I thought. And, uh, and uh, the people were good. Parents were good. Uh, we had some good players coming up and uh, it would be a good time for somebody to new come in. And uh, so, yeah, since then I've been out of coaching now for the last three years at the high school level. Sure. And you had mentioned that, that your daughter, came back and coached with you for a little while what was that experience like oh well leah and i are a lot alike so there in our family will joke about it uh but so she's a very strong-willed person uh she did she after she graduated from college she had a teaching job and coaching job at minnetonka was on their staff for their girls program for two years and then uh her and her husband uh they wanted to, to move back to the jordan area and and she got a teaching job and, and we teach together she we teach That's in the awesome. same building and she was my assistant coach for two years and and then uh, she took the program over after i resigned that's that's a pretty amazing i i kind of gathered that that was what happened it feels like it's probably pretty easy to to move out of that seat when you know that this is a, an amazing opportunity for her, for her family, yeah. all that stuff. It creates this, like, it's a legacy building sort of moment, right? Yeah, I guess a little bit. I I don't know if I really thought into it that much, other than the fact that, obviously, I know her well, and I know what she stands for, and I know she was she's a good coach, and the program would be in good hands. Uh, yeah. And, and it was great uh, to kind of just step back and just watch from afar. Sure. And... Uh, and uh, they certainly had a lot of success in, in the, those last two years. So uh, she's done quite well. Absolutely. That is that is a really amazing thing. I, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. We got started in this parenting gig late. I have I'm 37. I have a two and a half year old oh, bless and, a, you. And, a, and a nine month old. Um, <laughs> life is busy, as as you might imagine. But I don't I don't think it changes. You know, I don't like I just get this impression. You know, my sister has three kids and they're older and I just being a parent is being a parent and and in some ways like coaching teaching parenting just have all this overlap and you can steal from each one yes. to to grow the other ones you said you she knew what you stood for and I I'm so curious about this what as you interpret it did you stand for as a head coach and and how did you develop that in the program well I guess what I, I knew, I know what she stands for, I sure. guess. And, and we are very similar. We have similar philosophies. So on how to, um, how to coach and how to run a program. And I guess for me through trial and error, uh, like I've been fortunate to coach some really good teams, even back when I was a younger coach, but looking back now, I knew nothing. I didn't, <laughs> I, I honestly, I feel I cheated some teams out of some really good coaching, even though we were winning uh, because I just, I kept learning over the years and, and how I evolved and changed as a coach, I think was really important uh, for me and in, in my growth. But uh, I know Leah kind of had the same, same thoughts on what should be the foundation of your program. And I wish that I would have started coaching back in the mid nineties, the way I coached my last, well, basically for the last 10 years. Uh, but you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And that was really a case for me. So 
I really had to become more intentional on creating a positive culture in our program. And it isn't, it, it, I finally realized it isn't what I know. It's what the kids know. Sure. And you have to bring those kids together. And uh, to I just became more intentional with that my last uh, 10 years of coaching. And the result of that was our program was good. We, I, we had some success, but the kids also enjoyed it more, I think. Yeah. And, and that really stepping back, I think they maybe created more lifelong friendships and lifelong memories than maybe the previous, you know, 16, 17 years of the teams I coached. So speak to that a little bit. What does it look like to reframe just like from your perspective? What does it look like to reframe that from because and I, I mentioned this a little bit. Every initial conversation I have with the coaching staff is, hey, we have some of what you do. We have one or two athletes in what you do, like doing well what you do. But how do we make it so that it's broader? It's more athletes and it's and it's culture broadly in the whole program right because that's that is a really challenging thing to do but i think what you just alluded to is the payoff right we are pretty good and we get this other thing which is depth of relationship depth of meaning depth of memory and just really positive feelings around the program it is and i I want to first of all just preface it by saying just because you're building positive culture, there's still tension, there's still failure, there's still conflict. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. But what you're doing when you make, when you are intentionally building those connections amongst your players and your team and your coaches, you, you have a better opportunity to work through those things. You can get through them quicker. There's still problems. There are still problems. However, uh, if I, if you and I have a connection or kind of experiences together, we can get through that easier rather than if I was just a person you saw in the hallway at school during the day, we don't have that. So getting through the problem, what's going to happen is you usually just avoid each other. But now if you and I have a connection, we can have a conversation about what's going on if there, if there is. So I think what we, what it looks like that I'm taking the long route to answer your question. I apologize, but what we did is we really became intentional about doing things uh, with our team that would allow our players to connect with each other, to be vulnerable with each other. And this is all, most of it's done off the court. So these are things we did during film sessions or things we did before we would watch film And there are even activities we would do that take two minutes during a practice. An example would be like in practice, we became very intentional about team touches. So that would be like uh, during a drill, you and I pass each other, we're giving each other a high five and it has to be meaningful. It can't just be a token there. We talk about how, you know, the skin of your hand, you have to feel it. Um, We talk a lot about pointing to each other. So a lot of our drills and practice, we would keep score. And if I gave you a pass and you point to me to acknowledge that I gave you the pass, or if I set a great screen for you and you acknowledge it after the play, your team gets one more point. That's awesome. So we're trying to build these, we're rewarding people for that behavior, I guess. Um, 
another we re, we would do we another thing that was really popular i think with the kids is we would end every practice we just call them circle time celebrations so our team would circle up and um you have to model it first but once we get used to it what it would amount to it would take two minutes at the end of practice where a player would just shout out somebody's name and then they would acknowledge something that they witnessed that player other player do during practice that had that had to do with them being a good teammate um not just that they shot well or they hustled it just has to be about their character about them being a good teammate they would announce it their name they would uh say what they did or what they witnessed they'd run over give them a high five and come back in line then the next person could say and we just do three or four a day and you're done with it so again you're acknowledging and and uh celebrating certain types of behavior that you want to be a part of what your team does. Absolutely. I I'm struck by two thoughts that are number one, the touch thing, right? If you read, uh, I think it's Sam Walker, the captain class, he talks yes. about how Tim Duncan is just, if you watch Tim Duncan, right? One of the top 10 NBA basketball players of all time, incredibly successful five NBA championships. He's always touching his guys. If he's loving them up because they did something well, it's arm around them, hand on their head, high five, pat on the backside, whatever it might be. If he's bringing them some bad news, holding them accountable, exact same relationship, exact same language, touch, just like letting you know I'm here and I care about your success and your failure because both of them contribute to who we are and what we do and I just I love that concept and I think it's something that all teams can strive for and the way that you did it awesome let's give points for let's like I know that there's this intrinsic extrinsic motivation sort of reality but if again like let's just go to some of the research James Clear and Atomic Habits or Charles Duhigg and the Power Habit we have to create a reward to build a new habit and the reward does not have to be something like a point even Right. But it certainly helps, right? We, you know, we get, re- we reward ourselves all the time in our habit formation. I, I stand up, you know, cause I'm bored. I go and grab a bite to eat. That's a reward, right? I'm bored food. It's not that I'm hungry. It's that I'm bored. And so the, the habit becomes I'm bored. I go and eat. So you create some sort of loop here that gives feedback that says, that's the thing we want to do. Powerful, powerful stuff. Yep. And then the second thought that I have in this is like, okay what we focus on grows, right? What we focus on grows. So you're now putting a tremendous amount of focus on praise, on character-driven praise, not performance-driven praise, in connective sort of relationship. And all of a sudden, we have connections that are organic and spontaneous. And you just like, we're going to bring more positive energy when people are telling us things they like about us. This is real, you know? So my, my question High schoolers, sometimes challenging, as we are aware, to what degree was there pushback from some athletes? Um, and that's a great question. Initially, um, there, I wouldn't necessarily say serious pushback, but obviously there's always a few people who are kind of like, gee, what's he doing now? You know, yeah. because I was very transparent about everything. Um telling them why we're doing this and what we're going to do and just them knowing the reasons behind it, I thought would be helpful. Uh, again, trying to be intentional, but, uh, 
trying to there i i can remember specifically a specific uh, a player who number one they're they were a little shy and reserved naturally so sure. again them having to interact with others was already a challenge for this person but i i just talked to this player separately at one time and just tried to explain to them uh if they're that uncomfortable just choose to pass you don't have to do it uh, because, you know, there's so many different ways. For example, there's so many different ways to be a leader. Some people are rah-rah and some people lead by example. Well, this person was a lead by example person. Uh, I would consider them one of our better players, but they just had a hard time interacting. So I would try to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with this player about trying to get them to join in. But And it took a while, but eventually this person... I don't want to say they completely bought in, but I saw them more and more willing as the season went on just sure. because it just became a part of what we did every day. And they started participating in some of these. That, that was my instinct, right? That I think we were reserved or hold back on doing some of this stuff because we are unwilling to do it long enough to see that thing, right? Where you don't, you know, you don't give them a why, you don't give them some purpose behind it. You don't create that transparency that you talked about. And then, so it just feels inauthentic for them, right? They're yes. like, this isn't real. This isn't anything. And then you don't do it or you don't follow through with it consistently enough so that those barriers break down. And I would imagine in year three or four of doing this, there are no questions. There are no, right. everybody's like, this is just what we do at basketball practice. That's, That's how correct. Works. Yes, yeah. that is. Or, or it's just, yeah, it's just part of the way Deedle works and operates. Yeah. And it's just, it, it is, That's kind of what it become, uh, or became. And, and, uh, I think, I think it worked. I really do. I, I, yeah. and again, I said it before, I wish I would have been doing this 30 years ago, but I, you don't know what you don't know, I guess. So, yeah, I'm convinced the better, I mean, so I do some leadership stuff also, and, and people that have listened to this for a long time have heard me say this before, loose connections create strong bonds, right? You don't have to be super close to somebody. You don't have to hang out with them after school. You don't even have to really like them. But if you know a little bit of something about their character, about who they are, about what makes them tick, all of a sudden, you start to understand they're a person too that has right. value and they, you know, they're oh, they're not just getting more touches than me, right? They're not just getting more shots than I am. They actually have a life and some challenges that they're facing too. And, right. and just breaking down that barrier is such a powerful thing to do. And so I'm curious, what other examples of these sort of things do you, are you doing maybe even currently as you talk about you step into schools and give some yeah. give some help and building positive culture. What things do you continue to do that you find maybe most bang for your buck? Oh, well, I, I think, uh, when I, when I do lead a, a group in, I don't know if they're called sessions or workshops or whatever I want to call them, but, uh, or, or working with a team, um, the more I can have them interact and the more vulnerable you can make them, the more uncomfortable you can make them the better the session is. So yeah. for example, uh, uh, during workshop week this year, uh, what Mike had Coddington had referred to, I actually, we did an activity is speed dating. So <laughs> yeah. we just took half of the staff and we have a large staff in our elementary school. It's wasn't, it was our teachers, our paraprofessionals, our kitchen staff, our custodians. We're all in this, the, the gym. And we just did a speed dating session 
and where not only would I give them topics to talk about, but sometimes the topics were just absolutely bizarre, which kind of goes along with my personality and people (laughs) kind of expect it. But also there were some very serious conversations and they would only spend one minute with that person. And then uh, the bell would ring and they'd rotate to the next person. I'd give a new topic. So by the end of our activity, you know, they maybe spoke with 15 to 20 different people. And in our building, you know, Jordan's not a huge school, but in our elementary building, we have 700 kids and we have a large building. And there's some teachers I won't see for a week or two, just because of where we're stationed in the building. So these people now hopefully made some connections. So that's one example. Um, Another one we'll do, and we used to do this with our basketball teams all the time, we call it the hay game. So we had our players do this and, and we're going to do this in the upcoming weeks in our, in our elementary school building. But throughout the school day, whenever you're in the hallway, if you saw a teammate, so if you and I saw each other in the hallway and I said, Hey, Jamie, before you said, Hey, Greg, I get the point. Yeah. And so, and you keep track throughout the day and there's obviously an honor system. And then the winner, we didn't have any prize to give them, but we acknowledged the winner. And, and I'll never forget this. We had one player on our team in one school day who made 461 uh, victories that day that they said <laughs> hey to their teammates. Now, sometimes they said hey to the same teammate maybe 15 times during the day, but they'd be, think about that, 461 times she connected with one of her teammates during the day. That's powerful. And uh, so that's another thing we'll do now amongst our teachers in the elementary building here in the upcoming weeks. And there's power in names, right? Just hearing your name said by someone else, right? Don't just say, hey, say, hey, comma, Greg. You know, like I've now acknowledged not just you, right? I've acknowledged you uniquely, right? You individually. And and like I... So I taught high school Spanish. So I've done the speed dating thing, right? In in Spanish, right? The, okay, not yeah. uh, so like creating language opportunities, and so like a lot of fun, right? It can yep. be a lot of fun, and then you throw in one or two really meaningful ones, and it's like, wow, this thing got serious and good and relevant, and mm-hmm. then we diverged in English to something that's really important, and like just one opportunity to to go deeper. Yes is really, really powerful. Anyway, my point on it is like, so I gave Spanish names and English names. And so I'm learning 130 kids names twice, you know, and like, and it's a skill kind of this thing that my brain does really well. But at the same time, like they loved having this unique thing in my room, like a unique name that was about their personality or whatever. And like just people commit to knowing your people's names as quickly as possible and then use it all the time use it all the time because especially with kids especially with young people they want to be to be seen right and their name yes. is is an identifying factor and then like my niece is is madden right i have a niece madden and everybody calls her maddie and sometimes she's like i'm madden don't call me maddie right and find out what name they want to be called yes. too you yes. know like they're just these I know that this is seems like a ridiculous thing to be talking about, but you and I both spend time doing this like and thinking about it a lot because it's an additional part of our job. This stuff matters it does. in a huge way. Yes. And hu- humans love to hear their name. Yeah. I, I have a story. I don't know if this should uh, be shared or not, but one of my high school basketball coaches, Steve Ziemieski, has had a 
the biggest impact on me than anybody outside of my family has in my whole life. I remember when I started uh, dating my future wife, he kept, he, he did so much for me off the basketball court, but he told me, he says, Greg, you have to remember to say her name, say her <laughs> name when you're with her. And you know what? It might've worked. It must've worked. Yeah. But we even do that in basketball now with our teams. So like if, if there's a rotation or something defensively, we don't say the action. We call out the person's name who needs to hear it. We're all more alert when we hear our name than we hear anything else. So we'll just call out the teammate's name that needs to know something's coming. You have to say their name. And we use that all the time because we react to it so quickly as humans. So let's dig into what you're doing now on the basketball front. You coach AAU hoops with North Tartan. I imagine there's some facilitating similarly, like these kids come from a bunch of different programs, don't have super deep connections. It's different now than it was probably when we were there. There's yes. social media connections and they, they might be playing together a few years in a row, but I would imagine that you got to build some quick connections so that these teams can have some success. How do you do that outside of a, like a high school program that is, uh, you know, we've gone to high school or elementary school or middle school together mm -hmm. since little on now I just met you and we gotta, we gotta be good tomorrow if yep. at all possible. Yeah. I'm very fortunate in that. Um, and how we do things with North Tartan. Number one is we're very lucky that, um, really good basketball players want to play in our sure. club. So we're very fortunate with that. And we know that we're part of the EYBL circuit, which is the best circuit in the country for girls. Um, but what happens is you're taking players who are the best players, the best of the best on their high school teams, and almost always the best of the best in our state. And we're trying to make a team. And one of the things that we do that uh, the, the coach I coach with Gerard Corey, we've coached the 17s uh, Nike team. Uh, now 10 years together. And we have been very, again, I've been using the word intentional so much, but it, it is what we do. We don't bother the kids during their winter high school season. And that's not our job. So we, we let them have their, we'll check in with them and go watch them play and, and, uh, and things like that, but we're not coaching them. But in the, in the fall, we do schedule some zoom meetings with our team before their winter season starts. And we'll do some of this team building, this connecting, we make sure they have all their um, phone numbers, all their Snapchat. So they have, they can uh, connect with each other. However, kids do it these days. I mean, I'm, I'm too old to know all that stuff, but we make sure <laughs> they have everybody's information. Um, and then when we start our season, which is a week after the high school season is over, and we start getting together, we practice three days a week, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, we always dedicate some time on two of those three days for team activities, where we're making connections, not just on the court, but off the court. So this stuff still applies there. And, and when people always ask me that who are on the outside looking in, they always say, oh, you coach such really good players. Um, how do how do, I bet it's hard to coach them. And to be honest with you, it's not. We have great kids from great families, and these kids understand what we're about, and it's not for everybody. Um, they have to be a team player. They have to be unselfish. They got to play hard. They got to be a great teammate. That's it. That It's really that simple and bland for us, um, but 
those are some very important things we think that will carry them over into their high school and also ultimately in their college career and some of them professionally. So that's what, uh, that's our goal with it. And so we do a lot of these same activities in AAU. It's interesting to me because I think a lot of people, you know, and even my perception of AAU at times and, and like not just AAU, J.O. Volleyball, yeah, uh, Freestyle Greco Wrestling, like these club club programs rather than high school programs. And, and like if you look at internationally, like club program is the way that the system works. And so yep. there's there's nothing wrong with club generally. The The thing I think that people rub against is the idea that there's, you know, we grew up, we had to be a three-sport athlete in our, in our yeah. towns, but you had to kind of carry the burden of all the sports. And now we, we get into super specific specialization. We get into year round playing of a, a single sport. You know, there's repetitive motion injuries, these sort of things. But the thing that strikes me as you say, this is like, okay, you guys have all the tools. We get the best of the best. We don't need to develop you at a skill level. Some I'm sure there's plenty of skill development that continues to happen. Mm -hmm. But the thing that you have to understand is that at some point you're going to be playing with a lot of like type players rather than being the player. That's right. right? Because if you want to continue to to climb the pyramid, the 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 amount of athletes gets smaller. And all of them that continue to climb have the same set of skills, right? So you have to differentiate somehow. Well, how do you do that? Be a yeah, great teammate, it, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that, and our goal with our kids, they're going, again, this sounds, I don't want to sound like I have this huge ego. We get these kids and they're already talented, but we do coach them in a, in a way where we, there's expectations and there's a right way to do things. And they do have to perform uh, up, try to perform up to these expectations. Uh, and our goal is, is that they're going to most likely, we haven't had a kid on our roster who hasn't had a college scholarship. Yeah. Now, again, that's because they come to us, they're already very good. But, uh, and we'd like to think that we help them along the way, but our goal with them is to prepare them so that when they step on that college campus, they're as ready as they can be. No freshman is ready, ready, ready. <laughs> Sure. However, we want them to play early. We don't want them to have to sit there. And the way the transfer portal is today, kids are yeah. going everywhere. You know, we don't have, I don't have the statistics in front of me. But we're very proud that our kids go about choosing schools that are right for them. It isn't because it's the name, name schools or whatever. They're going to the right fit. And that's how important. How do you communicate that to them? You know, because that my experience 100% is that when you find the fit, you will find success and success. We can define it in a million different ways, but you will find some version of success for you. A lot of kids don't want to hear that. They want to see the the right logo, right yeah. on their Jersey. They want to see the right coach behind them. They want to see the right opportunity in front of them in terms of financial stability or success. How do you communicate against those factors to say, I'm just going to be frank with you. The best thing you can do is find somebody that's find the right fit. Yep. Uh, we talk with all of our kids and our families about this. And we tell them, um, I think, again, people on the outside looking in, um, sometimes you have kids join your pro the, our program, maybe 
their last two years of AAU or even their last year. So they haven't been around us enough to know sure. what we're about. So they think, oh, if I, if I play there, that means I have to play in the Big Ten or I have to play in the Big 12 or whatever. It's not about that. And we're very open and honest. It's not our life. It's your life. Yeah. So you have to find the right place academically, the right place um, athletically, and um, everything else falls into place if you do that. It's just, you can't just, it's easy for a kid, it's easy for a mom or a dad to get caught up, oh my goodness, this big Big Ten school wants, offered my daughter a scholarship. That's great. And they should applaud that. However, maybe it isn't the right fit for them. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe they know something that deep down that maybe this isn't the right place for me. So uh, our kids go on and, and we'd like to think they have a lot of success, which they do. And they get to, they play early, most of them. And they're in winning programs because they're going where their best fit is for them. It's not about us. It's about them. And yeah. that's really what we do. And we, we tell them that we help kids with recruiting it's, it's almost a seven day a week job uh, yeah. throughout the year. And, and because there's so many kids being recruited, Minnesota, the state of Minnesota, there's good AAU clubs, there's great high school programs and colleges from all over the country are constantly recruiting Minnesota kids on the yeah. girl side. And I don't follow the boys side as close, but I know that's obviously a hotbed too, but um, we're very proud of what the state of Minnesota does. And we're proud to be a part of it. No, I, I agree. It's, it's such a interesting, like peel back the curtain, right? The, my last guest, uh, that I just had on David Levin talked about his wizard of Oz moment, right? When he peeled back the curtain and he saw that the function, like you think that it's all of this stuff out here, mm -hmm. but in reality, when, when you, it's just a guy doing a thing, right? It's just, it's just yeah. a person being, showing something. Right. And I think that, a lot of us, and you know, once you're a collegiate athlete, you kind of go through this experience, you get recruited, you look, you peek behind the curtain a little bit and you realize it's not all of the things that I was told that it was. I think having a coach that can walk you through that process, because there, I'm sure there are plenty of lights and the big head on the wall, right? That mm -hmm. are really attractive to some of these some of these ladies and going, I want to be that. Yep. And it, like, we have to peel back the curtain for that's our job as coach. It's not about me. It's not about the, the wizard of Oz. It's about what's behind the curtain so that you know what to expect for the next four years, because that's your best opportunity for success. Where you stay is your best opportunity right. for success. If you go, if you bounce around to three places, you might have some success, but if you can build in those roots, you're just going to grow in a completely different way. Yeah. It, and, and it's about, and it's hard to tell whether a kid is an athlete or not when they're 18 years old, 17 yeah. years old, it's hard to tell them that this decision you make, what you're going to do after high school is going to set you up for the next 40 years of your life. And, yeah. and there you got your academic piece again, you know, to consider that stuff too. Cause you know, there's kids who just think about the basketball side, but yeah. that's only part of the equation. Basketball is going to help you get that education. And uh, you want to set yourself up for those next 40 years. And there's that third section that I think it's, it's just life, right? Where, what city is a good fit for yeah. you? What community is a good fit for you? You know, I, I've started Augustana 
college in Sioux Falls, now Augustana University, is a great fit. It's, honestly, it was. And then it wasn't at some point. Like it stopped being a great fit because I was looking for something else, specifically in playing football again. And then I, I did the whole recruiting thing all over again. Right. And the whole, I, I walked on campus at Bethel and I just, I'm like, this is it. This is the one right here. This is where I need to be. And, you know, like for me, that was a faith conversation. For me, that was a, a coach's conversation. For me, that was getting to hang out with the guys and go, wow, this is different. This is a different sort of conversations that we've been having, you know, like life just felt like it was going to work there compared to it's all football. It's all basketball yeah. all the time. Right. School is good. Wherever we go, school is going to be good. Right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're paid to make, to give you a good education. I hope. Right. Especially what, at the schools you're talking about, right? right. These big 10, big 12 type schools that you're getting a great education. What life situation is going to be valuable for you? And I think this is true. Like, let's go out. You know, you guys said we want to be in the metro-ish area. There's a there's a point where Jordan, you had to look and say, is this the right fit? Is this the right yeah. situation for our life? And you can't know all those answers, but you can do some work to find out. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the other thing. You, you want to help educate these kids and their families as much as, you know, we don't have all the answers, but we can find them. You know, you, you yeah. over the years, you know, enough people, you know, enough coaches that you can reach out to. And the one benefit we have too, like with North Harton is we have a large number of alumni who yeah. have gone through this situation and we do their, uh, we do use them a lot and they're willing to visit with our current athletes to help them out as well. Yeah. So speak again, right. Speak into this idea that your AU program, North Tartan, is not a typical like mercenary style. You come, you play for a year or two, we try and win championships, whatever, right? We try and get you. You guys are talking about developing this thing pretty young. How how deep does that go? How how frequently are these kids like eighth grade on up or what? You know, how long, what does that relationship look like? Yeah. Well, uh, AAU, not just with our club, but with most clubs starts in fourth grade now. Um, obviously the, the scope of that is much smaller and they don't have as long of seasons. Um, our club director, Bill Larson does a tremendous job of organizing our, uh, our club and, and kind of the, in a teacher world, the scope and sequence of what we do within our club. Um, so we do have teams down into fourth grade and everything starts after the high school season is over in Minnesota. Um, and then now for, for us with the 17 year at the 17 year old teams, we have to get ready in a hurry. We get 11 practices before the second biggest, second most prestigious tournament for girls basketball in the country at Boo Williams, where all 32 Nike teams are there. Uh, and, uh, so we, we got work to do, you know, and, uh, whereas, and and it's about development. And, uh, so each one of our age level teams, our coaches, skill development is a big part of what we do. So, Again, people on the outside looking in might think, ah, they just meet once a week, roll the balls out and play five on five and call it a day. With us, we have families who travel. We have kids who travel nine hours one way to play for our teams and they don't miss a practice. 
a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. It's, an, it's amazing the commitment that they have. Um, and we're very fortunate for people like that. Um, not only do they have the daughters who can really play basketball, but these are great families. And um, so we owe it to them. I mean, we can't just show up and we, we have to coach them. We have to give them everything that we have. Gerard, who I coach with, who's kind of, he's the real leader of our group. And, and he always says, we're going to, we, one thing we can't guarantee everything, but we can guarantee we'll put our heart and soul in for, for you. And we do live by that. So, and all of our coaches do that. We have so many good coaches that like, at the beginning of the year, we're all kind of at the same facility on the weekends. We're at Maple Grove Community or at the junior high there. Nice big facility. I'll go early and I always go and watch the younger team coaches. These are some really good coaches and I learned so much from watching them. Uh, and then what's really neat is we always, the older teams always practice later and, you know, you'll have four, five, six of these younger teams just sitting around the courts watching the older girls practice and seeing that. And uh, it is a real, people are uh, surprised to hear that there's an actual community feel within an AAU club, but I really feel we have that. And that's proof of it, that these kids and families stick around. We do a big sister, little sister thing. So there'll be a 17 year old team, uh, player from our 17s who might have a, a younger sister, uh, maybe on the 12 year old teams, we connect them. So then they meet with these kids from time to time with, at these practices. So these younger girls are getting a chance to know these older kids and, and uh, connecting with them. That's so cool. I, like, I think you're right. The perception from the outside is that these things don't happen in these places because they don't care. Right. right. And you just said the one thing we're going to commit to is that our heart and our soul and our energy is going to be in this thing for your daughter's sake. And, and that is that is a tremendous thing. I, I hear you talk about the community of coaches that you're around and how that sharpens you. Speak to that a little bit for me in the way that you developed your staff and how you continue to do that in the place where you are now, where you're growing, learning, sharpening. You know, like, I think it's a really interesting question to think about how does this person below me do the same thing I'm doing because they don't have all the same skills or experiences right. that I've had. Well, that's a great question. But so what we do, the common commonalities we have, number one is skill development. So that has to be a focus with our teams, all our So teams. you're in alignment, top, bottom on like every coach understands these are the skills we're going to highlight or focus. Can you speak, talk to that about that, a little bit? That's a, um, not specifically each skill, but uh, everyone knows that um, the skill development has to take place. We're not just going to show up okay, and, sure. and scrimmage. So we we do work on shooting, passing, cutting, reading defenses, things like that. Um, so that's one thing. But as far as uh, the types of coaches we have, um, again, we're kind of lucky because um, there are people who are willing to um, accept coaching with us. It, it's it, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to find coaches, but uh, we do have um, people who are willing to say yes. So now uh, I've referred to Gerard Corey a few times. He's, he's not our club director, but G Gerard is a leader within our club. And he, he's kind of taken over the, 
the hiring uh, of coaches for our club. And, and he does this with the consult consultation of Bill Larson and some other people like maybe myself, but um, what they do is we want to have people, number one, who are going to be in it for the kids. A lot of our coaches, not all of them, but a lot of our coaches, coaches with North Tartan are teachers. Now this doesn't mean teachers make the best coaches, but teachers are typically teachers because they're in it for the kids. So that, that's one bonus for us. We have a large number of teachers who coach. Uh, the other thing that we do, again, now with the skill development is we have to set the bar high. So, um, and we feel we owe that to our families. We want our kids to be treated right, um, but we want them to learn. We want them to be coached hard. We don't want to talk down to them. We don't want to tear them apart, but we're going to challenge them. Yeah. Now, how their challenge could be different between me or the person sitting next to me, uh, that's where your individuality and coaching comes about. But how that's done, they have to be challenged and, and to kind of meet these expectations that we have within our club. And these things are said expressly, they're explicit. Yes. So, for example, one thing we have, like, uh, for example, our kids, our, our coaches and our kids in, in, in turn, because of our coaches demanding this, we are going to be hard-nosed kids where we're going to guard the ball and, and we're going to learn how to play defense the right way and play hard. And, and really the big reason why is, and we've gotten feedback from college coaches, they need to know when they're recruiting these kids, can this kid guard the ball? Yeah. You know, where are their weaknesses? Where are their strengths? If you're sitting in a zone that isn't very aggressive. Now, obviously there's a time and a place to play zone, but if you're doing that, you don't really know what this kid can do defensively. We're going to play fast on offense also. So now when we say that we're not, doesn't mean we're just running gun and throwing up the first shot we see, but we're going to run the floor. And then the last thing we do is we teach positionless basketball. So um, just because a player is tall in seventh grade, doesn't mean we're just going to put that kid under the basket and say, oh, you're going to play right there. That, that player might be done growing. You don't know that. Yeah. And plus they all deserved, they all deserve to be coached to learn. And if we're just sticking it, obviously that tall kid, we're going to teach them how to play under the basket, but we're also going to teach them perimeter skills, teach them how to shoot, to expand their game. So those are really kind of like our pillars that we focus yeah. on, uh, now, how I do that and how maybe our ninth grade coach or our seventh grade coach does that, it might look different, but those same principles are in the back of everything we teach. I love it. I think, I think there's something foundational in, in create, you know, create a value system about not just like who we want as people character wise, right? Create a value system about what you want from your program, create a value system about what your teams want to look like, create an identity for yourself and say, okay, how you get there. And, you know, this is again, for those of you that listened before freedom within the objective is something we've heard a lot, right? Get to the objective the way that you know how to get to it because your skills are going to be unique and specific and they're going to allow you to do it in a way that might teach me something, you know? And so, when we say we want positionless basketball, you're a great coach. Go coach them up, you know, coach them up, coach dribbling. However you coach dribbling, right. Coach right. Right. possession. However you coach possession, right. Like do that thing. And here's the reasons why we're going to do it because it allows us to translate at each level into 
a, a cohesive unit, you know, like I, my job, I always thought is because I coach elementary kids. I coach junior high kids. I coach JV programs. I coach varsity programs as a head coach. I coach collegiately. My job was always in my mind to create an athlete that was prepared for the next level. Yes. However, that's possible. Right. If I have a seventh grader, you need to be ready for eighth grade. That's it. That's my whole job. And hopefully those skills translate no matter what, right? They, they translate to the collegiate level potentially, right? If, if I give you this skill right now, you might not be strong enough or whatever, but do it to the best of your ability right now. And as you grow and get better, you're going to, you're going to use this skill all the way through. I, I'm yeah. smiling because I agree with you 100%. And it's refreshing to hear that because that really is what it's about because, and that's one thing we're really proud of, like, um, with North Harton, uh, we do have a lot of success when we play here within the state of Minnesota, but our big picture is what we do when we go play against those other Nike teams in the EYBL. And that starts in ninth grade. There's a ninth grade league, a 10th grade, and then the 11th grade, which is the oldest group. And um, I mean, we're playing against future WNBA all-stars. We're playing yeah. against future Olympians. You know, you walk, when we walk into the, to the arena or the facilities, and you look at the two teams, a lot of times we don't look like the prototypical, you know, team. Um, but I'll tell you what, our kids don't get outworked. Our kids play together and our, and, and, and our kids have fun playing. And that translates to a lot of success. And, and we've done very well for ourselves over the years with that, with that model. I think that's an amazing place to end, right? Can you create a group of athletes, a group of people in your work, in your life that are going to commit to doing it the right way, have fun while they're doing it, connect in the process, and then learn a bunch of skills that translate to other areas, right? Translate up or down, translate out through their life. If we can do that as coaches, we've been incredibly successful. Obviously, you have been able to do that and you get to continue to do it. What a gift it is that, that you guys are doing for these for these ladies. And, and hopefully um, they then give it away someday, too. Well, we're just to be honest, we're very fortunate not to sound sappy here, but we really know how yeah. lucky we are to be a part of it. We really do. For sure. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, glad to have you. I, I thank you so much for the time and I can't wait to listen to all your other episodes, Jamie, this is, you're doing a great thing, not just for coaches, but also leaders from in every facet of business and everything people can benefit from what you're doing. Thank you. I love how we talk about so many different ways to get purposeful in building connections. Some of the stuff that just lands deep in my heart is the the you the name stuff the the very specific way that greg has used connection right the physical touch pointing to someone saying someone's name rather than calling out the rotation or the action that's coming actually saying the person who's responsible to this I, as a football coach it immediately came to my mind what if instead of saying crosser, we said the person who our receiver was going to, right? I was a defensive back and I just remember being told over and over and over again, communicate across, right? Carry and then talk across. 
No, what if we said the person's name who was going to be threatened by that route? And how often could we do that in all the things that we do? You know, this thing has to get done. No, Janie, can you do this? So, so simple. So, so easy. I think about even in parenting, right? And how how often instead of just telling or demanding my children, this is what you need to do. If I ask, if I say their name and then ask a question, I think it's just a much more positive response. And then to kind of bookend from the in, you know, and we, we end talking about the AAU program for a long, long time and how they want to make it a, a place with a high challenge, a, a high set of expectations, demands, not just on the skills that you're learning, but about being a great teammate, because that is the thing that translates from one level to the next. Yep. Your skills are going to be important and you're going to be able to do that. But at some level, we've talked about this before, when you rise up the pyramid, fewer and fewer athletes continue to go up that scale. Right. And this is true of anything. Anything you do in life, the higher you go in it, there are fewer people in the pool. And guess what? You look more and more and more alike in terms of your skills. So what are the things that are going to differentiate? What things are going to create a meaningful advantage for you? Well, in sports, it's being a great teammate. It's being willing to lead by connecting with people, by having and reinforcing positive culture, by you know, what, like what Greg was talking about in basketball, it's defend the ball, right? Learn to defend the ball because when you get to the next level, that's what a coach is going to expect you to do. We want you to be able to execute the things that are necessary for you to raise to the next level. What is that thing for you? What is it that you need to do that can separate you? Because your skills are going to be pretty neutralized at some point as you continue to rise. Everybody's going to have those skills. What can you bring in addition? What Greg is talking about is we're going to build a positive culture. And when we do that, we reinforce that everybody's bringing that something. Everybody's gaining that edge in our programs. I challenge you guys to do that as well. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, continue to be amazed by the support that we get from you all. and that you're so willing to to join me as as we have these conversations rate review subscribe but mostly share if you find value in this share it with somebody that you care about help them grow challenge them to get better also and as always live eyes up